time of great change and changes and whatnot. First slide. Um, we see with the church here in Acts, things are going to change. Um, Jesus already told us, he already prepared us with the idea of getting the gospel out to the whole world. But right now we're doing exactly, or what's happening in Acts is exactly what Jesus said. Start at home. Start at home. Get your families the good news of of God's kingdom, you know, the locals, your people, the, the Jewish people. So they're, 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 it, the gospel's for the Jewish people, and they're embracing it. Many are. Many are refusing it, but many are embracing it as well. And that's what the church started with. But there's also that time was going to come where the Gentiles are going to be brought into God's kingdom. And, and that's a reality that Jesus prepared the apostles for. That's a reality that God wanted from the beginning of time. That's the, that's the purpose and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is not just for a small culture group, but for everyone to receive the benefits of God's kingdom. And that's wonderful. That's what makes God's good news, not just good news, but great news. You know, it's not limited to a certain group of people. And so now we're getting to that point where the, the, where the apostles are less, are going to interact more with the Gentiles. Now you see before this time, and we're going to see there's a lot of cultural issues and problems. Now you see the Jews generally would look at the Gentiles down upon them as being dirty dogs that you wouldn't associate with. So how are you going to give these people the gospel if you don't even like them? That's a problem. So an attitude change needs to happen for the apostles. You know, you guys grew up good Jewish boys. You received the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you're welcomed into the kingdom of God. But guess what? So are the Gentiles. And one of the Gentiles here is Cornelius. Now it's one thing to be a proselyte. You know what I'm saying? To go from Judaism then to Christianity, right? To have that shift. But, what, but here we're seeing something completely different. We don't see that progression, those steps. We see an immediate taking of a heathen, you know, a, a pagan, you know, an other type, you know, dirty dog, and bringing them straight into God's kingdom. Straight into God's kingdom. No need to change them, no need to train them, no need to take them through any steps or stages. Bringing them straight. And this is gonna this has caused some some cultural tension and problems. And the first thing we see here is where we left off in Acts 10, um, verse 22 from last time I was here preaching this. And we were introduced to the, the, the person and the character of Cornelius, the centurion, who's a Gentile. And there's five strange things about this verse 22 about Cornelius. And the first thing is, as a Gentile, who's thought of in the Jewish mind as to be so far from God, so far from God, he can't even know God. He's completely blind, he's like a zombie. He's God empty. He can't know God, he can't touch God. But this guy is a mystery, because he's a lover of God. It says in verse 22, he's a righteous and God-fearing man. Okay? That, 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 well, uh, he's not really, though. I can see Peter thinking that. You're saying he's really, he's righteous, God-fearing man, but really he's not, because he's a Gentile. But according to the Bible, and not only that, but he actually was accepted amongst the Jewish people. And that's the second problem we have. He was an honorable person. The Jews have a great difficulty at this time, you know, respecting the Gentiles, as I said. 
let alone honoring them. But this man, there was something about him that he, he, was, he was an honorable person. He was respected by the Jewish people. Thirdly, he heard from God. Now, this is really hard pill to swallow because Moses, he hears from God. Abraham, he hears from God. You know, the, the Old Testament prophets, they hear from God. But what do they have in common? They're the good Jewish people. They're not Gentiles. For a Gentile person to hear from God, don't want to talk about it, don't want to acknowledge it, just, just, just pretend it didn't happen. But he was a man who was sent a message directly from God through a holy angel. He told him. And then the fourth mysterious or challenging thing is this. The message, the message that, that, that Cornelius received from this holy angel is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to the culture, the Jewish culture at this time. He was asked him to come to his house. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable for a, a good, faithful Jewish person to go into a Gentile home. It's, it's unaccepted, culturally. But yet this angel, this message from God says, tell this good Jewish boy, Peter, who's now Christian, tell him to come to your home. Uh, Peter's going to struggle with this. It's because it's counterintuitive. We, I don't, it's not, he's not accustomed to walking into a Gentile home and having an association or fellowship. It, it, it's, it's, it's a no-go. But things are changing. And the next thing is this. It says here, so that he could hear what you have to say. Cornelius needs to hear what Peter has to say. And to that, I ask, what does Peter have to say? What does Cornelius need that Peter has to give? I mean, he doesn't need healing. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need charity. He doesn't, what does he need? He needs to know the good news that the kingdom of God belongs to him. Uh-oh. You see how that's a problem? Because you see, the kingdom of God belongs to, well, God and his people. That, that's the church so far has been a nice little packaged situation. But now they have to open the doors and let these Gentile creeps in. Well, I don't know if we want the kingdom of God to belong to them too. I mean, we, we like our little group because we all dress alike and we look alike and we think alike. But no, we have to let these creeps in. That's, gonna, that's, a, that's, the, that's the problem at hand. Next slide, please. So a visit, but more than simply a visit. This is like... This is a, a profound meeting. This is, an, a, this is, this is bringing. This is a, a beginning of an association. In Acts 10, 23, it says, The next day Peter started out with them. Some of the believers with Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea, which is where Cornelius lived. And Cornelius was expecting them, and he called them together, or called together his relatives and his close friends. So it's not just Cornelius. But all of his Gentile buddies, his relatives, you know, all people he's related to genetically, and his buddies, his friends. Come on, guys, let's hear this great message. So imagine being Peter and having these cultural biases that he's struggling with. Okay, I got to get over this. God's doing new things. I got to get over this. And he walks into a house full of Gentiles looking at him, waiting to hear the message. You guys need healing? I'll heal you. You know, but... I don't know if I want to tell you about the good news of God's kingdom being for you, because that's, I might get in trouble for this one, which Peter almost does get in trouble for. We'll see in a moment. But anyways, Peter enters the house in verse 25. Cornelius meets him. He falls at his feet in reverence. But Peter says to him, no, 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 stand up. I'm only a man myself. 
While talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. So I don't know what was going on in Peter's mind. Okay, I'll go talk to Cornelius because he's a cool dude. But then when he walks in and he sees a large crowd of people, he's like, uh-oh, I'm really in it now. The kingdom of God, is it for these people? But God already told him, don't call what I'm making clean, unclean. And he remembers that because he repeats himself a couple times. This is a message for Peter and he remembers it. He said to them, you are well aware that is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Remember we talked about the food, the blanket, the food. And I go, is this about food or is this about people? It's certainly about people. And Peter gets it. It's about people. God told me not to call any person, anyone impure, unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Then the tough question, may I ask why you sent me? Oh boy, did I really ask that question? Did I really ask, why, what, what are you looking for? Oh, I hope you're not looking for Jesus. I hope you're looking for like some historical information about something. But if they're really looking for Jesus, I'm in trouble because I have to give it to them. Now, there's two words I highlight here, guys. Associate and visit. I want to look at the word visit first because you see the Jews weren't allowed to visit their home. And visit means to come to, to approach, draw near. And it's used a lot of times when it comes to talking about worship. Let us come together. Let's draw together to worship God. Let's draw together in God's presence. So it's, 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 it's a worshipful. It's a good, pleasant coming together. But associate is a lot stronger. And here he's, he's using the word associate because he knows deep down inside what God's doing. He's not just having a little get-together with these foreigners. He's going to bring them together. The word associate, to glue, to glue together, to cement. You guys see a parallel with how, what this word is in conjunction to how Jesus, when he spoke about marriage. When Jesus spoke of marriage, he used this very similar term, to glue together, to cement, to, make, to, to basically fuse together in such a point that it cannot be brought apart to join, to fasten firmly. So it's not just a visit, a hiya, let's hang out. This is a new relationship. Peter sees it. He knows it. And he knows that the old ways doesn't allow it. But God's doing something new. Things are changing. Next slide. So Cornelius answered as the crowd stare at Peter. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in my home, or in the home of Simon the Tanner, rather, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. So he's recapping, remember the, the message he, Cornelius got. He's, I was told to send for you by a messenger of God. So now we're all here. We did what God asked us to do. We're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So again, you have a message for us. God's commanded you to give us the message. We're ready. What is it? So Peter, here's the message. In case you haven't heard the message before, here it is, guys. Here's the message. Here it is. Here's a group of people. We want to know what's the message. What's the good news? Well, here's the good news. 
Here's what Christians believe. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Starting in verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears and does what is right, or fears him, fears God, and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. I like this because when he's talking to him, culturally speaking, you know, the news is out. And so what Jesus did and what people are saying about Jesus, most people already know about. That's why he says, you know the message. And later on, he'll say, you know, again, in verse 37, you know what's, you know what it is. And I think for a lot of people who are at that place in their lives where they're trying to decide whether or not they should go God, <laughs> they should commit to Christ. A lot of times they already know. They already know. They know the message. Culturally speaking, historically speaking, most people know something about how simple the good news of God's kingdom. It's a simple thing. You know the message. God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee. I mean, think about like growing up at school in Britain, you know. You, you used to have assemblies and stuff like that and, you know, have Christmas celebrations and the Easter celebrations. So you know but what are you doing with that knowledge? Here the Gentile people are responding to that knowledge. They're saying, how do we enter the kingdom? Yes, we heard the news, we have the information, but how can we respond to it? You know what happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus Christ. Anointed means he chose, which means he says, confirmed, this is him, this is, this is Jesus, this is my son who's the, the Messiah sent to save the world through the sacrifice of his life. He anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, God's actual spirit and power came upon Jesus and how he went around doing good and healing people and all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God, God was with Jesus, guys. That's powerful. That's, that's, that's very profound. If there's God and one God and he chose Jesus to represent him, that's profound and we need to acknowledge that. And then that's what Peter's basically saying. And guys, we're a witness of that. We've seen it. We are with them. And we can confirm that what people are saying about Jesus is true. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead. They are witnesses. They saw Jesus die. They killed him, hanging him on a cross. We saw that. We know that that happened. And we were pretty sad about it for a couple days. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And that's pretty, um, that's just mind-boggling. Our lives are changed forever because of this. He was not seen by all the people, but, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of living in the dead. All the prophets, now again, this is him talking about scriptures. And so today, if we were to say something like that, we would say the Bible says. All the prophets, the scriptures that they have available to them at the time, they all talk about Jesus. All the prophets testify about Jesus, about him. That everyone who believes in him, in Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
And that's important. I like that. Receives forgiveness of sins. Sins are the things that trip us up. We don't like them about ourselves. We pretend like we like it. Oh, we're, I'm such a free person. I'm such a liberal. I just sin all the time and I love it. Well, you, you, you might like having your freedom. But, but the thing is, you don't like your sin because your sin is what, what, is what messes you up. In your head. It's what makes you feel guilty. So it makes you feel down. So it makes you feel unsatisfied. So no one really likes their sin. You like the freedom to sin. But as soon as you enter into sin, it, it, you, you, you start to feel really guilty and bad about yourself. And that sucks. But guess what? There's forgiveness of that sin. That guilt can be washed away, removed. And it's through the name of Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. So welcome, Gentile believers. Welcome. The Spirit pours out on the foreigners. In Acts 10.44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. They heard the message, their hearts were open, and God's Spirit came upon them. That is what happens. That is what happened then, and that's what still happens today. People, their hearts are ready. They're waiting. They hear the message. The Holy Spirit comes on you. There's no initiation. There's no, there's no tutorial. There's no classes necessary, no certification needed. Your heart's ready. You hear the message. You receive the Holy Spirit. That's as simple as that. The circumcised believers who had come out with Peter were astonished. These are either Jewish or proselytes, Jews, that became Christians. They were circumcised. They were astonished by the gift of the Holy Spirit have been poured out even on these people, even on these dirty dogs, the Gentiles, these sinners. For they heard them speaking in tongues or other languages and praising God. We, that's funny because we've seen that already with, the, with Peter in, in Acts 2 where he started preaching in these other languages. And people were hearing it, understanding, responding to it. Now the Gentiles are doing that. Very similar. And they're praising God. They weren't speaking nonsense. They weren't, you know, blaspheming God, but rather they were incoherently and intelligently praising the Lord. Peter said, surely no one can stand the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized. And this baptism is a welcoming, Matt. It's like, you know what, guys? You're now one of us. Welcome to the family. Welcome. Come, get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, welcome. We're confirming. This is a, this is a confirmation of what God has already done in your life. We're saying, yeah, come get baptized because the Spirit's on you. You're, you're one of us. The kingdom of heaven is now yours. And that is great news. Next slide. Oh, Peter, what have you done? What have you done, Peter? You let the Gentiles in, the, the club. You know, what's up with you, Peter? Are you dumb? You don't want to let them in the club. You should, should at least consult the committee beforehand. I mean, yeah, sure, God told you, but what if you're wrong? You should still come talk to us about it because we're the good old boys. We need to put this to a vote. What have you done, Peter? So when being obedient to God's will brings unpopular changes, Verse 1 of Acts 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. What happened? So Peter gets back home. <laughs> and he has to answer 
to you know answer. You, you need to answer to me. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a beef with you. You know, you're, you, what are you doing following the Holy Spirit, Peter? Who do you think you are? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers again, circumcised believers. These are the ones who were either proselyte Jews, so they're Gentiles circumcised physically, becoming Jews, and then become Christians. And I must admit, that's a sore way to become a Christian. No pun intended. But, and so they're looking, wait, wait, these uncircumcised ones didn't have to go through that right to become Christians. Is that right? Is that fair? So they criticized him. To criticize, to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to oppose, contend, to doubt. So they, they weren't at all happy. They wanted to split out a line. We have the Baptists with the Anabaptists. Here we are, we're splitting the lines. We got the formers and the non-formers. We, you know, we're splitting the line again. You know, Here we are, we're going to split the line. But Peter's like saying, listen, you can split the line all you want, but I'm following God. And that's what he basically goes on to say. You went into the house of this uncircumcised man and ate with him? You, you know the cultural implications. I've already explained to you. That's a no-go. But bear in mind, they're not Jews anymore. They're completed through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're disciples of Christ. They're, they're Christians, if you will. So, so that old way doesn't apply. But they're still holding on to those biases. And we've already talked about that before. So Peter will have to explain. And Peter does explain in the next slide. So in Acts 11, starting in verse 4, it says, Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. And here's how it goes. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, we already talked about trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked in. And I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds, a bunch of nasties that they're not allowed to eat. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So a bunch of things they're not allowed to eat, not supposed to eat, God's telling them to eat. So I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. So the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. And we already talked a lot about the impurity, the cleanliness, and the significance of the three times. We already talked about all that stuff. So we're not going to dwell on that very much. He's just recapping to them and explaining to them what happened. So it goes on verse 11. Right then. Next slide, please. Come on. Okay. There we go. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with him. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He'll bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning, way back when. Then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with or in water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could not stand the way. So a little bit of humble pie here. He's like, you know what? It's, it's logical. It makes sense. God changed us. He gave us a new way. He's, and you know what? 
The same thing he did with us is the same thing he did with these folk. So who am I to say no? I'm just a man. And who are you, by the way, committee, to say no? You're just a bunch of people. You cannot fight and argue and kick against what God's doing. He's confirmed it. He made it very clear it's an act of God. And all I'm doing is saying, yep, amen. That's cool. That's what God's doing. That's what God's doing. I'd rather be on his side than resist him. That's for sure. So when they heard this, they had no further objections. I love this. They could have fought. They could have argued. And I'm glad they didn't. Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, these people still. You know, they, 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 instead, they, they kind of repented in their, in, their, in their attitude. And instead, they start praising God. They start going, yes, that's awesome, God. Wow. Even the Gentiles now belong to, to you. They're, they're allowed to be citizens in your kingdom. That's, that's awesome. Cool. So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Even to Gentiles, God has granted this sense of repentance, this change, this newness of life that leads to life. Here's the last slide, guys. Here it is. This is capping it up. Even to Gentiles, God has, you know, Gentiles, the foreigners, the others, the ethnos. God has granted repentance that leads to life. Ethnos, a multitude, whether a men or beasts, associate or living, a tribe, nation, people group. In the Old Testament, foreign nations not worshiping the true God. So the people got it all wrong. That's where the idea of beasts and dogs come from. They don't, they don't, they can't understand God. They're just, ugh, they're pagans. They're Gentiles. Paul used the term also to speak of the Gentile Christians. So ones who weren't Jews or proselyted to Judaism and then Christianity. So, so sometimes you want to believe that Jesus only died for us. Only died for me. Because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in church and stuff. And I went to crusades and, you know, I even went to Bible college and stuff like that. So you, I'm, God's good for me. He's good for people like me, people who I identify with, who look like me and talk like me and sound like me. But the tricky part about that is the word only. We want to believe that Jesus only died for me, for us, and for those we identify with, you know, we sympathize with, we get along with. But that's simply untrue. Jesus didn't only die for us. In 1 John 2, 1, it says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. An advocate means to help, to come alongside with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning, which means he's the way of making an angry God, happy God, he appeased, you know, the holy God. You know, we deserve, because of our rebellion, we deserve great judgment. But what Jesus did is he cooled God down. <laughs> he calmed God down. He satisfied God by giving him, again, his own sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, okay, our little group, our little clique, our little club, but for also for the sins of the whole world. And you guys all know John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. See, that's an awesome thing. Many other religions are like, they're, they're so hard because there's, there's so much just like, I don't know if I'll ever be right enough. I don't know if I'll ever be good enough to reach a utopia or nirvana or to reach God. But, but God's intention wasn't to bring us down. Because we were already down. I hate to say it, guys. We were already down without Jesus. So he didn't come to bring us down any further. He didn't come to bring down the Jews. He didn't come to bring down the Gentiles. He came to rescue. He didn't come to condemn. Your sin makes you feel condemned. And if you isolate yourself from God, you will continue to feel condemned. But that's not God's intention. God did not, does not want to condemn a single soul. He came to save souls. So he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let's pray.